0: Dear God, we are grateful for moms, we are so grateful for just their love for us, their investment in us, their kindness to us. Lord, we just uh, pray that today uh, they would feel appreciated and honored, and Lord, we just, I just ask that you would help us as those of us that are parents, that we would really just think about investing in the next generation. Think about how to be intentional, how to plant seeds for your kingdom and for your character to show through in all these little children that look like us and fill the minivans and the SUVs that drove here this morning. Lord, we just are so grateful for the incredible love that moms show us. And we just ask your blessing on them in the name of your son, amen. So Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, so we're going to talk about seeds that a mother plants. And we want to honor moms today. We're trying to do that. And and this fits with what the scripture teaches us. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land um, the Lord your God is giving you. So this is a, uh, a command, but it's also a promise that comes with it. And so there's, there's real benefits to it. And, you know, we go all the way back to Adam and Eve, and Eve was the first mother, and she's called the mother of all living. And all, all of us trace our history back to her. And it really is an amazing thing. Um, in the garden, when there was sin, the solution is basically directed towards the woman, and that the offspring of woman, which I think is a reference to the virgin birth through Mary, that Jesus is going to come and solve our sin problem and help us um, to find forgiveness and freedom and new life and become a new creation in him. Now I want you this morning, those of you who are parents, and that's mainly who I'm talking about today, but I think we can all uh, think about this, this idea of planting seeds in people's lives, people that we have influence. So maybe you're not a parent, but we all have people in our lives, whether it's coworkers, friends, neighbors, cousins, family members that we have influence. What are some seeds that we can plant in their lives? Now. As a parent, I think it's important to ask the question, what is the bottom line goal with your kids? Because that affects the choices that you make. That affects the seeds that you're going to want to plant in their life. I mean, if if your bottom line goal is that they be successful, and we define successful in, say, the typical American way, that's going to affect your parenting. If we, our bottom line is that we hope, and we can't make the decision for them, but that we hope our desire is to point our children towards the kingdom of God, towards Jesus Christ, and a full, robust, uh, flourishing relationship with Him throughout their life, a life of impact that affects how we parent I've not added this up, but one author who did said we have about 6,570 days with your kids from birth to graduation in high school. So that's kind of the, you know, stage one there. You still parent after that, but it's, it's different. And so we want to plant seeds in the lives of our children, in those that we have influence, like a gardener or a farmer plants seeds. And I think mothering or parenting is a lot like that. Now, obviously, there are many seeds that moms want to plant in the lives of their children. I only have time to talk about a few. So the first one is the seed of love. And love is basically wanting this person to flourish, this person to become all that God wants them to be. And really, if you stop and look at a child, if you watch them, their fundamental question is do my parents love me that's the fundamental question i kind of smile when i think about my sister when my younger sister when she was a little girl she had these big huge thick colored yarn you know strings of yarn and she would attach them all to her head and create this i don't know if walt disney threw up or if it was a medusa thing or what but she just it was all over her and and then she would make the weirdest faces possible, and she would go to my parents, and she did this a lot. She goes, would you love me if I look like this and make these <laughs> terrible, you know. And of course, they would say, Wendy, we, we would love you no matter what. And, and it just was almost like this game. But children want to know that they are loved. I do think that most children often spell love with the word time. Time. And, you know, there's this whole debate between quality time and quantity time. And my personal opinion is that you never know when you're having quality time. And it's buried in quantity time. Because you might be driving them to soccer, and that's when some great conversation happens. If you have boys, just a a little tip, you know, girls tend to do more of the face-to-face conversation. What I found with our sons is they tended to be, you know, shoulder-to-shoulder or driving, and and they really liked those times conversations. Some of those were the best conversations. But we want this to plant this seed of love. You know, and how moms do it, you can see it in different ways. And sometimes it's not perfectly done by moms. I think of Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 and 21. This is Mary, or Salome, uh, the mother of James and John. She comes to Jesus, and she advocates for them. Now, I don't know if they put her up to this. I, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. And it says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Now, this is her wanting her sons to flourish in this new messianic kingdom. Now, it ticked off the other apostles, but we get it, right, as parents? You know, she, she's wanting that. I think we see this, this love that sometimes can get a little misdirected. We want our kids to have the best lives possible, one of the things I would challenge you with is to think about your love and, and think long-term about it. You know, sometimes we make decisions like, well, we, we don't want our kid to be left out or, or we don't want him to be picked on, those kinds of things. And, you know, sometimes you'll see moms and they'll talk about, you know, I wish my teenage daughter would dress more modestly. And then, you know, I, I tend to dig in on something like that. And, and then you find out, well, you bought many of the clothes she's wearing. And the desire there is that she not be left out or that she not you know, not be in fashion. And so we have to think about our love and wanting our child to flourish and think long-term and think in a kingdom mindset. You know, we are concerned about our boys and the early exposure to pornography that's happening in our country. I read, sometimes they say eight, sometimes they say uh, 11 years of age. And yet, it's we parents who purchase the cell phones that have internet access that's unfiltered for small children. And so we have to think about well, I don't want them to be left out or I don't want them to not fit in or, and we have to think long term about the seed of love. Because isn't the goal really not to be like the world? Aren't we trying to raise Daniels? Not people that compromise And fit in. And so the seed of love is absolutely crucial. And for a child to have the backbone to get to the second seed I'm going to talk about, they have to feel loved. They have to understand that you love them no matter what. And the reality is that we are aliens and strangers here. The scripture tells us that. And it is out of the love that God has for us that we can turn around and be channels of that towards our children. We just celebrated communion which reminds us of the greatest act of love. Jesus who is sinless, dying for our sins and offering us that grace and that mercy. You know, we're told about love in 1 Corinthians 13. You hear it read at a lot of weddings. It says about love that it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. And if you're a parent, you know that children, you know, make mistakes. They mess up. One author, Danny Silk, said our children are professional mistake makers. I heard about one on K-Love Radio. Um, the the announcer was talking about a little boy named Noah and he'd gotten on his mom's Amazon account and he had this particular um, Popsicle that he absolutely loved and she would get them as a treat every once in a while. They were shaped like SpongeBob and they were quite fancy and kind of expensive and somehow he got on her Amazon account and ordered 53 boxes of these. The bill came to over $4,000. She was stuck with this Thankfully, some people came alongside of her, felt sorry for her, and helped her out. See, our children can be, as Danny Silk says, professional mistake makers. You've had those moments, right? Where the child just announces something to someone or about someone that you're like, well, that should not have been said. And so, we want to offer our children the seed of love. We're not perfect and they're not going to be perfect. I love the love of a mother. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? You see these grown men in fear when Jesus is arrested and taken away and crucified. And overwhelmingly, they abandon him. But his mother, we see her at the cross. We see her watching this terrible thing that's happening to her son. As gruesome and painful and as excruciating as that had to have been for her, she couldn't be anywhere else. And so, a mother's love is incredibly powerful. And some of you know about that and have experienced that. Dr. Laura, she writes books, and uh, she talked about they were about to have their first child, so she, was, uh, she had just gotten pregnant. And they watched this PBS special. I remember they did this to us in school, which I, I don't think it's the best exercise. And they called it Lifeboat Ethics. And they would tell you, so if you had a lifeboat, and it could only safely hold 15 people, but there's 25 people, and then they would describe the 25 people, who do you keep in the boat and who do you throw out of the boat? Like I said, this was an exercise I did in school, and you're like, what? what is the point here? But they watched this PBS special, and afterwards they talked about this, and she said, well, if it's just the three of us in the lifeboat, you know, you, me, and our new baby, and the boat can only handle two, what do we do? And her husband's like, this is ridiculous, I'm not going to be in this conversation, and he wouldn't answer. And she said, well, I think we throw the baby overboard, because we could, we could always have another baby, was her thinking. And then she got a few months further into pregnancy and she, you know, starts to feel the baby kick and the movement and begins to bond with this baby within her. And she wakes him up in the middle of the night and she just was so upset about her thinking and answer before that. And she says to her husband, she said, I I want to take my answer back. I'm so sorry about that. And she said, how long can you tread water? (laughs) We want to offer our children... The seed of love. We want to give them that. And and I think so many mothers are that first example of that unconditional, incredible love. I think of a mother, author, uh, Michelle Anglin, talks about her mom who was blind, but still came to all of her dance recitals because she wanted to be there. Elizabeth Stone once said, she said, when you decide to become a mother, um, you decide forever to have your heart go walking around outside your body. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. And so, we want to think through, and they touched on it, um, different ways that we can show our love. And words are powerful. Words are life. Words are death, the scripture tells us. And so, one of the things that we have to really think about as parents is our words. How do we speak to our children? Probably all of you, if I you know, had you had do a little exercise, could pull up a time where a parent said something to you or about you that they shouldn't have said. Those wound. Those hurt. But hopefully, all of us can pull up times, or most of us can pull up times where a parent said incredibly thing, incredible things that gave us life and encouragement We're in a struggling time at the moment when it comes to raising children and them staying in the faith. And one researcher really dug into that. And after years of research, he he said there are different categories and factors that play a part. But he said one of the biggest drivers is do the children feel loved by their parents? And feeling loved doesn't have to be complex, it can be very simple. I have a little video that's been floating around Facebook I want to show. It's like 30 seconds, but I think it's such a great picture of the power of just your presence and how that communicates to your child that you love them. Let's see if we can watch it. Lincoln! Isn't that great? He's just looking. And when you go to like children's choir programs, you'll see it. They're just scanning the crowd and they're looking. Just the power of your presence. That is a seed of love. And that environment of love is so profound. One author, Josh McDowell, says this um, because. We have to discipline our children. We have to give them boundaries. That's part of loving our children. But he says this, and I think this is important. He said, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. And I think we have a tendency, and I appreciate how one author said it. He said, as parents, we have a tendency to kind of land on one side or the other. One side is the bonding, and the other side is the boundaries. And you might think about what's kind of my natural tendency here and try to make sure that that is balanced as much as possible. So I want to encourage you to just to plant as often as you possibly can in the life of your children, your grandchildren, uh, your nephews, your nieces, those neighborhood kids that for some reason have adopted you. Maybe you're a foster parent, those seeds of love. The second seed is the seed of truth. We are bombarded, according to one source I was reading, Dave Stone in his book, uh, Building Family Ties with Faith, Love and Laughter. He says we're bombarded with about 1,000 ads a day, whether it's radio, internet, television, um, You know, pick up a magazine at the doctor's office, about 1,000 ads a day. And I don't know if he has that quite right, but it's a lot of messaging coming our way. And we live in an era of fake news, of propaganda, of spin, of bias, all these different things, and we have to sort through that. We live in a culture that, that promotes a morality based on feelings, not facts or the revelation and principles of God's Word. And as the culture continues to move, we must be people who consistently and intentionally plant in the lives of our children seeds of truth, Proverbs 1.8 says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. And it's absolutely crucial that moms and dads, that your teaching comes from the word of God. Now, Deuteronomy chapter six, verse six and seven gives us a great picture of having that intentional mindset. It says this, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart's Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. We need to be as intentionally intentional as we possibly can. The most recent study that I looked at said that about 60% of evangelical young adults, um, when they report that they were active in youth group and church during grade school and high school, were no longer attending church. 60% when they reached their upper 20s. So, something's disconnecting. And I think in a sea of lies and deceit, we have to be as intentional as we possibly can in sowing truth. Because the world is always going to try to edit, censor, ignore the truth. And it can even show up in ways you wouldn't expect. I was talking with a mom in this community, and I was surprised at this. You know, the the schools and, and choosing schooling for your children is a challenge. It really is. You know, the public schools woven through that is secular humanism. Even though I know many wonderful Christian teachers and administrators in the district. My mom was a Christian school teacher in her district where she worked for many, many years. But that's got a challenge there. Um, we have Christian schools, you can homeschool, so there are different options, different things you can look at. But it was interesting what a family was telling me, a mom was telling me just recently here, and their child came home, and they were at Monroe, so Catholic school, so you're paying money for that worldview, which you would think would be Bible-based, at least most of it. I mean, I do have serious theological differences with the Roman Catholic Church, but I would trust them on some things. And their child came home and quoted the Ten Commandments. And mom listened and went, Wait a minute. Can you show this slide? This is what they were taught. I don't know if you can see it. Look at number two. Now, I don't know if you've memorized the Ten Commandments, but number two should be Exodus chapter 20, verse 4 You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or in the earth beneath, or in the water below. But, can you go back? Here's what was taught in the local Catholic school. These are the Ten Commandments. They dropped number two about idols. Why? Because in Catholic churches, you see statues and idols, right? Praying to icons. And they took the last one, don't covet, and they split it into nine and 10. And so there you paid good money for a Christian worldview. And they edited out one of the Ten Commandments. So here's the deal. You have to be vigilant, parents. You have to know the word. Mom caught this. Now, what blows my mind is this is plopped in this um, Catholic family Bible right next to Exodus 20. So you go read it, and you're like, What in the world? So I just want you to understand how serious the attack on truth is. It comes from unexpected sources. You have to be vigilant. And one of the things I think is helpful when it comes to the seed of truth is whatever you see in the Scripture, maybe there's a command, like not to lie. You teach the command, but what is most helpful to children and to all of us is, okay, so here's the command, don't lie. What's the principle behind the command? Be a truth teller, tell the truth. And then does that flow from the character of God? Yes, it does, because God can't lie. God is a truth teller. God is honest. God is holy. He's pure. And so you kind of take it all the way back. So you don't end up just adding a bunch of arbitrary rules. You want to look at rules that the scripture actually teaches. And you kind of give kids, because here's the deal. If you don't ever give them a why, they don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. It may not stick. And so you want to make sure that you take it back to the character of God if you can. That you understand and help people to get the why. Now, I appreciate in Luke chapter 2, Mary's song, I'm not going to read it to you, it's a long passage, about 10 verses, but Mary, as she responds to this incredible assignment to give birth to the uh, Messiah, she does this kind of song and she literally references about 30 phrases and truths from the Old Testament. I mean, she knew the word. And that was in a, a time where, as a female, she really had to work at that. That wasn't naturally done as much in that culture as what they would teach the men. And so you moms, you dads, you coaches, you youth sponsors, you people of influence, need to sow seeds of the truth. I love 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, because here we probably have a pagan father, but listen to what has happened in timothy's life i'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother lois and in your mother eunice and i am persuaded now lives in you also so the apostle paul looks at timothy and says i know where that came from that came from your mom and your grandmother and many many people many people when you ask them how did you come to christ well mom brought me to church dad was off working and mom brought me to church mom sewed into me mom prayed with me every night and i mean i have a, a minister father wonderful great father put a lot into me but i learned more bible from my mother than my father i'm not knocking him just she was with us more often and so moms you have a profound place of important influence to sow seeds of truth. Now, one key truth I just want to mention, because I've seen churches and individuals do this, is they make Christianity all about the rules and the commands. Be very careful. One of the tr- great truths of Scripture is that God is a God of joy, He's a smiling God. Yes, there's the wrath of God, absolutely. I mean, you want to do all this in balance, but make sure you understand that there's a God of joy who is planning and plotting for our joy. He is creating someday a new heavens and a new earth and we new bodies and we get uh, to be in a place where there's no death or sorrow or tears or illness or pain. And he's, he's planning for our ultimate, untainted. Unrestricted joy. Make sure that that truth gets passed on to your kids. Not that he's the God of don't do this and don't do that. Make sure they understand where there are commands, where there are rules, the why. Because if you understand the why, it makes more sense. The third idea is this, the seed of grit or tenacity or perseverance author Kathy Kathy Koch talks about uh, talking to a college official. They had dropped their son off for college, and immediately he wanted to come back home. He had picked the college. He was excited about the college, got there just a few weeks, and he's like, I don't really want to do this. I don't like this. And they made him stick it out and ride out that semester. And they went to this dean of students, and they just said, you know, is there anything you can do on this side? You know, we're we're saying he has to stay and can you help? And and the dean, you know, it was interesting what he said. He said this, he said, I'm finding that this generation of kids does not know how to persevere. In a culture of entitlement, ease, and prosperity, it is crucial that we teach children to be able to suffer and persevere, to walk through adversity. James teaches us in James chapter one, verse two through four. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let me tell you something. I'm 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 active in the business community and all over the place. I read all the time as much as I can, try to understand. I will tell you this, and you need to get this, and you need to pass it on to your kids that perseverance will beat talent every time it will long term you can be mediocre in talent but if you show up and you do the right thing day in and day out you will beat you know absorbent talent and so that seed of grit is a powerful gift that moms can give and moms understand tenacity and perseverance Just getting through those first months of absolute exhaustion, right? Tenacity, grit, perseverance. I think of a mom in the Bible, Exodus, the beginning of Exodus. And here she is, the mother of Moses. And I mean, she has literally become a mother in the midst of a genocide. The Pharaoh wants to wipe out the Jewish males. He wants to take that away. And here she has this son, and she's like, we're not doing that. And she defies the government to save her son's life. And she does what she can, and she finally, by faith, puts him in the River Nile. She feels led to do that, has the the sister watch, and that child is miraculously saved. It's an incredible act of a courageous, persevering mother, Heraclitus once said, character is destiny. And we need to create children. We need to raise up children of character. Not entitlement, character. Children that can persevere. And so this is part of the calling, and this is part of what moms and dads are called to do. The seed of grit or perseverance. These children are our legacy. They are both a gift from us to God and to his kingdom, and to the world. And it is possible. I know, there are times I feel overwhelmed. It is possible to raise whole, devoted, devout children in this broken culture. It is possible. It can be done. I encourage you to walk in relationship with others in this church and in the Christian community in a wider way. But I want you to hear this. Yes, as parents, we're going to make mistakes. The parenting journey can be a little humbling at different moments. But there's power in those moments. Actually sit down with the four-year-old and apologize. That's profound. That has an impact. That four-year-old's, oh, so this is how I deal with Making a mistake. This is how I deal with sin. This is how I deal with when I do something wrong and I say something I shouldn't say. And so, pass on, sow into those young hearts and minds the seed of grit, perseverance. So moms, I just want you to hear that you matter. We are grateful for what you do. It is a high and holy calling to be a mother. It is a difficult job. It is a challenging job, but it is probably one of the most impactful jobs you will ever have. It's, it's amazing. And there are so many, it's, it's so fun in certain seasons. And it's tough in others. And it is hard to work yourself out of the job, you know? They're supposed to launch, and you're like, really, are, are we? But you'll still parent it's just a lot more like coaching at that point. But moms, I just want to encourage you. Your work matters. It makes a difference. You have probably the most profound impact of anyone on your child's life. More than media, more than schools, more than their friends. And so it is so important that you walk this out with intentionality so the big idea this morning is moms keep planting seeds you will see a harvest in your children i'd like all the moms to stand i just want to pray over you can you would do that if you'd stand up dear god i just lift up each of these mothers and grandmothers and lord we acknowledge that it's a tough job it's a tough culture We pray that you give them your wisdom, your patience, your kindness. Lord, I pray that you will help their words to be life, words of life and destiny that they sow into their children. Lord, I do lift up um, all who are here today, and Mother's Day can be a hard day for some. Women that want to be moms and can't be. Those who have lost their moms those who for various reasons are not in contact with their moms anymore. Lord, I pray for those whose, this is a day of tears and sadness that you encourage and comfort. But Lord, I just pray that for every parent here, every person of influence in whatever role, that they would plant good seed and that you would partner with them in this holy, powerful partnership and make it grow so that we get to see people whose lives flourish and who point to you and are people of robust faith. Lord, we just ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.